Welcome everybody to week one of It's Messy. Now I need to let you know that this series has been brewing for about two years. So we think it's right and ripe. And we are excited to journey with you through it. A lot of prayer, a lot of thought, a lot of uh, work has gone into thinking through these things together and getting it to a place where I think will help us kind of survey where we are and what God wants to do with us and in us and through us. I do want to give you a caution up front, though, and let you know that this series is going to be very challenging, very challenging. And I, and I think for all of us to some degree, but for um, some of you, it's going to be very challenging, even, even messy, you could say. Um, especially challenging and hard for those of you that look at life and you just like hard lines, right? You, you just like things cut and dry. You're okay with rules because it puts everything in its place. And, and you like things that are just black and white. I get it. I get it. But I just got to warn you. Okay, this is going to be really challenging for all of us, but especially I would say you. Uh, this series is a series about what we should know more than it is a series about what we should go out and do. Now, now hold on a second. What we do is important, but what we do is so affected by what we know and how we think. It starts in here. And so I just let you know up front, this series is a whole lot more focused on helping us think and know what we need to think and, and know what we need to know so that we will know what to go out and do. This is a series to help us think and live through the mess. And I do want to um, just ask you to give it all four weeks. It's a four-week series. It's like a, a four-week-long, big, long sermon. And you don't want to be here that long. So we divided it up into four weeks. And this is one of those that if you're like, nah, I mean, after today, you're like, nah, or next week, you're like, nah, and you leave, you're only going to get a part of the picture. So I challenge you and invite you for the whole journey. When you look at the world around you, I think you would agree with me that we often have this feeling that we're not quite sure what to think about what we see about what we experience. I'm not quite sure what to think and, and I'm not sure what to say in response when it comes up in conversations, what's going on in the world around us. I'm certainly not quite sure what to do as a result. It, it's like all of us deal with an internal struggle. You feel it? I mean, I, I certainly do. Where You may even get to the point where you begin to question your beliefs. I, I, I'm not sure anymore. Now that I see this and I see that and I experience that, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what I believe about this or about that and why. I'm not sure what you believe that, and what to do about what you've always assumed to be true or what you've always told, what you've always been told to believe and is true. And, and maybe you bring that question that inquisitive posture to the Bible. And you go, well, I, the Bible says, but I'm not sure what this means, and I'm not sure what to do with this, and I'm not sure how to understand this. When I look at the world, and I look at that, and I look at the, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I totally understand. 
The reason I think we feel this and, and this unsure and we're in this struggle is because the bottom line is that the world is a mess. The world is a mess. And we can either ignore it, try to clean it up, or embrace it. You look at the world around us, and, and I don't think it's ever been messier. All the issues, all the issues. I mean, you look over the last two years, just alone, the last two years. Obviously, you got the pandemic. That's quite a mess, right? I mean, it's happened before. It's been a long time, before our lifetimes. But we've been here before. It's, it's, it's odd how similar it is. The mess, you know, masks and vaccines and all this stuff. And then, and then, yes, you need to do this. Now we've changed our mind, you need to do that. Now we've changed our mind, you need to go back and do the this we told you to not do. And, and in the background over the last two years, get this, in the background, <laughs> it's like it gets even messier because you got other issues playing in the background. If you think about the last two years, all the immigration stuff, what's going on at the border, the Mexican border, you got, you got all the politics swirling around and the transition from one president to another and all of those things. We're talking about a mess. Race. We're back there again. And it depends on who you talk to. We've always been there. Race is now front and center in the last two years. Sexuality, still a hot topic. What to think, what to do. Look at the economy. This thing called inflation. And now in recent days, in the last 10 days, let's add war to the mix. The world is a mess. And you got a few options. You can try to ignore it, but that's really not an option because Jesus didn't ignore it. So ignoring it, you know, there's some people that can see a mess and it's like they don't even see it. They just walk right by it. I don't understand those people. I, I just, I, I have like a mess radar in my brain, you know, and it's do, 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 that, you know. But some of you, yeah, bless your heart. But ignoring the mess of the world is not an option because Jesus didn't. And if we're following him, we can't. Others of us want to try to clean the mess up because when you see a mess, let's clean it up. I mean, that's a noble endeavor. I, I get it. You do what you can. For some people, cleaning up the mess of the world, especially for Christians, looks like we need to fight it. Fight it. Stand against it. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. And again, you do what you can. You do your best. Other people say, well, we need to fix it. We need to fix it. We're trying to clean it up. We, we don't know. Let's not. And we, yeah, fight. I understand. But I'm more of a fix it kind of. Let's do what we can to, to fix it. I get it. But here's the reality. The world is getting messier faster than our ability to fight it or fix it. Would you not agree? Just look in your own lifetime. The world is getting messier faster than our ability, than the church's ability. Not that we shouldn't do what we can. 
So there's a better option. And it's the one that I think we will see Jesus chose. It's to embrace it. Embrace the mess of the world. To embrace the world and all of its messiness. Now let me clarify. To embrace it does not mean you look at it and go, oh, well, it's okay. It's just the way it is. No big deal. I mean, what can you do, right? I mean, no, it's just, it's just life. No, 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 no. You don't resign yourself to doing nothing. To embrace it is to look at the mess of the world and accept it as a normal part of the process of being human and living on planet Earth and understanding that it's a natural part of the process and the context in which God works in the world and in our lives. The mess is where God does his best work. And in fact, if he's going to work in our lives and in our world at all, his only context is a mess because the world and our worlds are often very messy. Now, we see this very clearly when we look at Jesus. So let me just go there. Jesus chose the messy middle way of doing things. When he came to the earth physically, you know, baby born in a manger, Bethlehem, and all of that, he grew up, he started his earthly ministry, he chose the messy middle way. And let me explain that. He recognized the mess of the world. He chose to go right through the middle of all of it. Jesus would not allow the world to pull him into either extreme of his day. Jesus challenged extremes. He challenged political extremes. He was, he was a challenge to both the Roman Empire, which was on one side of his day, and the, and the traditions of, of, the, of the Jewish people on the other side. Mind you, even some of the traditions that God had given them. So Jesus went right down the middle of all of that. He challenged the extremes socially. Yeah. I mean, Jesus went right down the middle of social extremes when you talk about rich and poor, Jesus associated with both. Of the old and the young in revolutionary ways associated and included both. And even men and women, which was revolutionary how Jesus leveled the playing field between men and women in his day. He challenged the extremes, and he challenged religious extremes. He challenged the Pharisees on one side, the pious, the, the, the people that were really, 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 you know, devout and serious and very religious, and then, the, and then the heathen of his day. He challenged them. Okay, I'm sorry. The heathen. We're in the south, right? Oh, the heathen. Hmm. There's no R, but I get it. He challenged extremes. Why did he do that? Because Jesus wanted to reach people on both sides. Jesus chose the messy middle way because his intention was to reach people on both sides. And Jesus reached to both sides, both extremes in society, in politics, in religion. And he didn't pull people to a side. He pulled people to himself 
so important. Jesus reached people and did not bring them to a side. He brought them to himself and still to this day does that. See, Jesus didn't come to earth to pick a side. Jesus came to pave a new way. Right down the middle. Messy middle. And then Jesus looks at us as his followers, as we will see, and he calls us into the mess with him. He doesn't call us to a side, to the right or to the left, to there, to there. No, he calls us to himself right in the middle of, of the mess and, and asks us to follow him. Now, this messy middle way of Jesus, there are two words specifically that describe this messy middle way. Uh, words that you've heard before and we use often and we often use them, they almost become a cliche. These two words for the messy middle way of Jesus are the words grace and truth. Grace and truth. A lot of people look at the words grace and truth and they think these are opposite from one another. They're not. Grace and truth are not opposites. Grace and truth work together beautifully. But warning, when grace and truth start working together, it's messy. It is messy. Let me just set it up for you. Let me follow me. Just let me take you there. When John the Apostle described Jesus, he described Jesus as the Word, the Word of God. And when we introduce this to you now, we'll come back to it next week. But, but John writes that the Word, he's talking about Jesus as we will see, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In other words, he came to earth and he lived here with us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. See, that's Jesus. The word is the one and only son who came from the father. Look at this description. Here are the words, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Here's why that's important. See if you can get your mind around this. And this is hard. It's hard for me too. Jesus was not 50-50 grace and truth. He was not half grace and half truth. He was all grace and all truth all the time. 100% grace, 100% truth, 100% of the time, perfectly. Now, I can't do that very well, and you can't do that very well, and that's why we are following him, trying to learn from him what it looks like to look at the world, go right down the middle, this messy middle, and, and be gracious and truthful all at the same time. So it might help to get an example. So let me give you an example of what this looks like. And we see this all throughout Jesus' ministry. He did it time and time and time and time again. One of the clearest examples of Jesus being 100% gracious, 100% truthful, all at the same time in the same place in the same space. This helps me so much when I see this. I want to give you an example. This example comes from the day when... Um, the religious leaders of the day that were constantly trying to trip Jesus up. They were tr constantly trying to get Jesus to do something wrong or say something wrong and so they could, you know, basically get rid of him and kill him and accuse him and, and all that stuff. Eventually, um, they did do that, but on trumped-up charges, charges that were, were not true, but they were looking for anything they could, they could find. So, so one day, they brought to Jesus a woman that had been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Not hearsay, not we heard, the rumor mill says, no, no, she was caught in the very act, in the moment. Interesting, watch. Teacher, 
talking to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, this, mm, quite a messy situation. Again, they were trying to trap Jesus, getting Jesus to say something. Okay, if Jesus says, sure, pick up your rocks, let her have it, then Jesus would have been very unkind and very unloving, and, and boy, that would have caused a problem with what Jesus was trying to accomplish. At the same time, if Jesus would have looked at them and said, Moses, Moses, who cares about the law of Moses? That's no big deal. Yeah, just forget all that stuff. Oh, then, then he would have been accused of, by the Jews of, of breaking the law of Moses. And Jesus was very clear. He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. He certainly didn't break it. Wow. You see, they think they got Jesus. Well, interestingly enough, Jesus, uh, we're told in the story, knelt down. It's like they asked him this question. He knelt down. He started doodling in the dirt with his finger. Drawing something, and I have no idea what he was drawing. I have heard big, long discussions on this. I've read papers on it, I mean, dissertations on what was Jesus writing in the dirt. We don't know. The scriptures don't tell us. So, you know, we probably shouldn't waste a whole lot of time trying to figure it out. But it's interesting, right? And they're pestering Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. This is what Jesus said. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. This is the first recorded mic drop moment in history. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and then what's interesting, it says after Jesus said this, he knelt back down and started doodling in the dirt again. This is crazy. Now, if you read the story, if you read what happens, it says that the, John, John records that how the, the, the men that were there accusing her who had the rocks in their hands, ready to roll. One by one, they dropped their rocks and went away. Can you imagine what they must have been thinking? One guy's like, oh, well, well dang, right? I cheat on my taxes. He walks off. Another guy, oh, I rode my camel way too fast through that school zone this morning. <laughs> he drops his rock. And that guy that's like, I'm a Duke fan. And just... Come on, you knew it had to come out somehow. Yeah. One after another, they dropped their rocks and left. The scripture says, until Jesus and this woman were left alone. Watch what happens. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Watch this. Here we go. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Do you see the grace and the truth right here? It's right here on the screen. Do you see it? Here's the grace. Neither do I condemn you. Wow, she didn't expect that. But here's the truth. Now go and leave your life of sin. Do you see it? Same time, same place, same space, same moment, same issue. All grace, all truth. Nobody saw that coming. But can you imagine the word on the street? When they saw this lady now walking down the road? 
Can you imagine the religious leaders that were there who were not present when Jesus, you know, told her this? They got to be thinking, well, there she goes. I guess Jesus, Jesus just let her go. What happened? He just let her go. He, that woman caught in adultery. Yeah, he just let her go. I guess Jesus doesn't care about what's right. I guess Jesus, he doesn't stand on the truth like we thought he did. They only had part of the story, didn't they? Can you imagine? Other people might have seen this lady walking down the street and we're like, hey, Jesus let her go. Jesus is so nice. Hey, Jesus, live and let live. That's the way of Jesus. Just let everybody do their thing. They had no idea the full story. They had no idea on either extreme how Jesus both accepted her and challenged her in the same moment. Listen, he accepted her as she was and challenged her in the very next breath to become more and to become more of who God created her to be. That, my friends, is grace and truth. You see, what makes this messy it's not that Jesus was saying, your sin is okay. Don't worry about it. Hey, 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 we all make mistakes here. It's okay. No. What makes it messy is that Jesus was willing to enter into that with her and journey through that with her and deal with that through her, fully accepting her and fully challenging her all at the very same time and in the same moment. You see, what we see here happening is that grace and truth together, and Jesus illustrated it, create a healthy tension. Grace and truth together create a very healthy tension. It's very much like your fingers and your thumb, okay? You can maybe just hold out your hand there and just kind of do this. Fingers and thumb, fingers and thumb. You know, you know, that, you know what that is right there, right? That's the creating of tension. When your thumb creates that pressure tension point with your fingers, you know what that enables you to do? Pick something up. If I don't have something to create some tension, it's hard for me to do something. You say, well, you can scoop it. Okay, thank you. You're messing up my illustration. You need, okay, it's meant to have this tension point, right? Tension, healthy tension, grace and truth, truth and grace, grace and truth. And that's so important because even though it may be challenging, it's where Jesus was, it's where Jesus is, it's how Jesus works, and that helps us stay balanced. Grace and truth, truth and grace helps us stay balanced, helps us make progress, and it's actually what changes people's lives more than anything else. It's when something is fully gracious, fully truthful, fully truthful, fully gracious. Now, the challenge with me and you, though, is that we usually lean to one side or the other. Based upon our experience, based upon our personality, we lean one way or the other, right? Some of us, by default, lean towards the truth. And grace is a challenge for us. Uh, others of us lean towards grace. And, and, and truth is a challenge for us, right? Like on one side, you got the truth police, you know, the truth police. Maybe you find yourself a card-carrying member of the truth police by default. And it's just kind of the way you're wired. You're like, hey, but, but I, I see that, but what, you know, let's talk about what's right. That's right, that's right, that's wrong. Come on, we gotta, we gotta make sure people know. We, uh, you know what the Bible says, the Bible says, and that's sin, that's sin right there, and you're sinning, right? And, and, and listen, well, well, there may be a lot of truth. It needs to be discussed. But be careful. If you find yourself becoming a card-carrying member of the truth police, 
need to pay attention to grace. Most of the emails I get are from the truth police. <laughs> they love sending emails. Uh, they send lots of emails. Right? They, they do. And it's just like, you know, pastor, preacher, come on, take a stand. When are we going to take a stand? When are we going to take a stand? And when are we going to tell it like it is? Just to lay it out there. Just tell it like it is. Here's the deal. I am telling it like it is. You just don't like it the way it is. It's messy. Okay? Be careful if you find yourself leaning only on the side of truth. But at the same time, we have people who swing to the other extreme, right? The other side, by nature, they're a part of the grace gang. And they're like, oh, it's no big deal. Come on, nobody's perfect, right? Come on, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Everybody makes mistakes. It's, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. Everybody should just chill. Hey, why don't we just love first? Let's just love first. If you're a part of the grace gang, here's what you need to know. Love, real love, true love, is both fully gracious and truthful. You see, to not tell someone the truth is to be unloving. It's an unloving thing to not be truthful with someone, even if it's hard to hear. If you really love someone, you're going to be truthful and honest with them, right? I mean, deceiving someone and lying to someone, that's not loving. Pretending with someone, that's not loving. Looking the other way, that's not, that's not very loving, is it? Not if you really love them. You see? So here's the deal. And let me just point this out, okay? We've said this before. We'll have to say it often, I think. Love first. We love love first. But love first is not a blank check. Love first is not always a yes. Love first, to love first does not always mean yes to everything. Sometimes love first, because of truth, is a kind but firm no. Sometimes love first sounds like, now go and leave your life of sin. Yeah. But it creates a healthy tension and what you and I must understand is that as followers of Jesus, we must embrace both grace and truth, truth and grace. We don't have the option to just lean to one side or the other, not if we're truly going to follow Jesus. And this is going to be uncomfortable, but that's kind of the whole point. It's messy. You and I should be so gracious with people, it makes us feel a little uneasy that when we begin to feel, maybe I'm being too gracious, we're probably just then being gracious enough. At the same time, we should be so truthful with people that it makes us feel a little uneasy. And just about the point where you make yourself nervous, I'm not sure if I, they need to know, they need to know in that apprehension, you're just now probably getting to the point of being truthful enough. Now, being truthful with someone does not mean you can be a jerk because that's unloving. That's not gracious. But we have to embrace both. I've had people through the years, as, as I've kind of teased this out and, and talked to people, they say, middle? Jesus is in the messy middle. No, that's, the middle is compromise. That's what compromise is about. And that's, that's non-committal. Yeah, you're just in the wishy-washy middle. No, 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 no. No, you are totally misunderstanding that. To choose the messy middle way takes great intention a lot of bravery, a lot of courage, and good old-fashioned guts. 
to walk the messy middle way with Jesus. And, and by the way, real quick, and we don't have a lot of time left, but real quick, if some of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, but what about this? What about that part in the book of Revelation, chapter three, that talks about being lukewarm? God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. Well, if you have no idea what I'm talking about right now, don't worry about it. But for those of you that are going, yeah, 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 I did think about that. Here's the deal. That passage has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about in this series. That passage is about something entirely different. And I can't wait one day to unpack that with you and, and, and together, and, and you'll see. But I'm telling you right now, it has absolutely nothing to do with this messy middle way. It's not the same. Not, not the same topics at all. We are to embrace the messy middle way with Jesus. Now, right now, you may be thinking, oh, I got so many questions. I got so many questions. Well, this, oh man, my mind is just, I know, me too. Me too. But, but that's what we've been called into. And maybe the questions that we should be wrestling with the most is, what is the gracious thing to do and say here? What is the truthful, at the same time, what is the truthful thing to say and do here? You look at the issues of the world. How do we extend grace and be truthful? At the same time, they're not opposite. They work together. And when they work together, it's transformational, but it's still messy. Grace and truth. Jesus chose the messy middle way. He literally took the mess on himself till it killed him. And on the cross, Jesus died. Literally, physically, in the middle. cross of Jesus is the clearest, truest, strongest display of love that is fully gracious and fully truthful. You see, hanging on the cross, in his grace, he was forgiving the sins of the world. And on the cross, in truth, he was dealing with the reality of sin to the death. Jesus didn't look the other way. He took it on himself and it killed him. And he embraced it. Grace and truth, truth and grace. And when Jesus described what it looks like to follow him, may we never forget that Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you too are going to need to pick up your own cross and let's go. Any way you want to look at it, crosses are just messy. You know what this means for me and you? It means following Jesus is going to be messy. It is. It's going to be our experience. It's what we're going to feel. It's going to be the journey. Why? Because we represent him. We represent Jesus in this messy world. We represent all grace, all truth, all the time, and not just individually. This goes for us as a church, too. It's extremely messy. There's no way that we can sanitize following Jesus. Can't make it clean and neat and easy and put everything in categories. No, it's going to get on you. 
It got on him, it'll get on you, it'll get on us, it'll get on this church. It's gonna get messy. But we're following Jesus here through the messy middle way. Jesus even said, the world mistreated me. Don't be surprised when they mistreat you. They misunderstood me. Don't you be surprised when they misunderstand you because you're following me. Jesus got attacked from both sides. Don't be surprised when people attack from both sides. The conservatives will look at us and say, you're too gracious. The liberals will look at us and say, you're too hard. And we will look at the world and say, we know it's a mess. But we're going to follow Jesus right through the middle of this. And we're going to be gracious and we're going to be truthful. And we're going to find a way to embrace it. Welcome to the mess. To embrace the mess, and I leave you with this, means we're going to have questions. Get comfortable with questions. We're going to have some questions that are going to remain unanswered. I don't know, you don't know. I don't, I don't know, you don't know, and, and God doesn't necessarily tell us all. And we're going to have more questions because of that. We're going to have conversations, lots of conversations, exhausting, sometimes unending conversations with scenarios that go, what if this then? I hear what you're saying, but what is this? What about that? What about that in the news? What about that over there? What about that person? What about what they did? What about what they said? What if this happens then? All of these scenarios. I know, I know. It's messy, isn't it? And we're going to find that messy middle way of grace and truth. That means we're going to have to change more than we probably want to change. We're going to be stretched. It's going to feel uncomfortable, and we're going to have a lot of tension the messy middle way is about yes and no, often in the same places, in the same spaces, at the same time, over the same issues in the same moment. It's messy. We're going to be misunderstood. Get used to it. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you. Get used to it. We're going to be misunderstood. People are going to make assumptions, and they're going to have the wrong conclusion because they're going to have partial information, and they're going to disregard us. And they may even, you may even be rejected by people on both sides. We will have to work with partial information. We will have to deal with uncertainty and risk and sacrifice. May we not forget we've been called to pick up a cross. And we'll deal with loss. But the messy middle way is the way of love. It's the way of goodness. It's the way where meaning is discovered and purpose is discovered and there is so much reward, it's worth it. The messy middle way. Grace and truth, truth and grace. That's the mess. Our Father, we come to you thanking you first and foremost for Jesus paving the way, pioneering a way right through the middle of the mess of his society. And he calls us to do the same thing. I don't always understand what that means. I don't always understand what that's going to look like, but help me to be committed to that end and discover Grace and truth and truth and grace all at the same time. Help us to be aware when we want to lean to one side in exclusion of the other. 
Help us to surround ourselves with brothers and sisters who balance us. And so together as individuals and as a family of faith. While we realize we can't ignore the mess of the world and we really would like to clean it up, it's getting messier real fast. So help us to follow you right through the middle and embrace the context, the opportunity that this presents for you to do a work in this world and in people's lives. Even though that work in and of itself will be quite messy. Help us to pay attention to how much grace we have received and how much truth we need as we offer it and learn how to do that with others. We realize it's messy, but you're with us and we follow you. Help us to do that individually and as a church in Jesus' name, amen.